Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. So um, this morning, we're going to continue on our journey of uh, finding out how to hear God's voice. Um, and if you recall, we started off with knowing that when we, when we hear God's voice, He actually requires us to obey, if you recall that. Um, and then uh, Dana spoke about the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Holy Spirit is, is the one that, that speaks to us and moves us. Uh, and then Brian spoke last week about his will and God's will and, and, and following that voice and, and sharing uh, who Jesus is and who he wants to be to everyone. Hi. Thank you. Um, and so today we're going to be talking about the search for truth. And as you might have guessed, it's, it's about the Bible. Um, and, and we're going to be looking at some things and how that helps us to actually hear God's voice. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, I was driving uh, near St. Paul's. You know that robot that always gets taken out with accidents? A couple of years ago, that was my car that took it out. Uh, I, was, I was crossing a road and then somebody jumped the red because, you know, those lights are funny and wiped out my car. So then we wiped out the pole. Um, and I was sitting with a good friend about a week later, going, this is never ending, uh, you know, because you have to do insurance, you have to do police, you have to do all of those things. I'm like, this will never end. And she goes, don't be ridiculous. What do you still need to do? And I'm like, well, I need to do this and this. She goes, so it's not actually really never ending. It's just what you feel like. Um, and that was an important lesson for me, because what happens is we, we have our perceptions, and then we react, and, and I felt very sad and sorry for myself, even though within a week, I was able to get a, a new car with a huge bank loan. But anyway, um, but it's about perception. And so I want to uh, just show us an important lesson uh, that we need to know in life, is that we have an event that happens, right? Something happens to you, some event, uh, somebody says something, all right? And then after that event, we have our reaction. And depending on where you are, uh, you know, what you've been through, whether you're tired or not, that reaction can be small or that can be big or it can be realistic or unrealistic. But the truth is actually that between that, we have our belief. We have our frame of reference. We have our filters. And what actually happens is there's an event. It goes through our filter. And then we have the reaction. Okay? And that, that, little, that little belief is very important. Have you ever told like a joke in a group setting and everybody's laughing, but then there's that one person that like walks away very upset? Have you ever had that happen? Is it just me? And you're like, what, what just happened here? Okay. And then, and then somebody goes, oh, don't worry, they just this, this, and this, and this. Okay. Um, that has happened to me quite a bit. And it's, and it's about that thing, that belief. And so if your belief is that the world is out to get you, then everything that happens to you, everything that you hear goes through that filter. And so it will just reinforce that. Now, I don't know if you like me, but um, every now and then, you know, there's some people that just, you know, they are out to get you and they just, you know, and they can say good morning and you go, mm-hmm, I heard that, that tone. Yeah, good morning. You're being sarcastic. Hey, you're like, good morning, right, mm-hmm. Have you, is it just me? Okay, all right, okay. But it's because of that belief, that, that filter that everything is going through. Somebody can, can do something and, and because you have a preconceived idea or you, you have an idea behind what the motives are, that action will be interpreted in a certain way. If you believe that no one likes you, 
If you get forgotten on a, on a WhatsApp group, you will be convinced they did it on purpose to invite you out because nobody likes you. If you believe that you are loved, oh, then everything goes through that filter. Um, very often, um, there'll be an event and I'll have this reaction and I go, where did that come from? Have you ever had that? And, and the reaction is greater than the event, actually. And you're going, that, that was a little bit out of proportion. And I have to go back and I have to go check, what am I believing right now? What is my filter that I'm looking at everything through? And the reason why this is important is because this will determine how you live your life, but it will also determine how you hear God's voice. I, uh, I couldn't find the photo, but um, a couple of uh, months ago, I found a photo that my grandmother uh, wrote a recipe of <laughs> garden, uh, garden, salad dressing, right? It's just a recipe of, of, of salad dressing, and I had taken a photo of it. She passed away in 2004, and as you should by all know, now know, I am the favorite. I was the favorite. I still am, you know, beyond the grave. I am the favorite grandchild of my grandmother. Uh, I know this for a fact, and I think she might have even told people that. Um, but when I look at that photo, that's just her handwriting, you know, that says like vinegar and garlic and all that kind of stuff. I have this flood of emotions coming back. And, <clears throat> yeah, flood of emotions. And it's, it's, it's beautiful because this silly little recipe is a reminder of I can hear a voice, I can hear her laugh, I think of all the times we sat together, and it's just writing. But that's what the Bible needs to be to us. That when we read the word, we need to hear God. We need to remember all those amazing things that he has told us. That needs to be our filter. The Bible is the, the main way that God speaks to us, but it's not only just the way he speaks to us, it is also the parameter into which everything else falls. Uh, so at, at Senior YWAP last week, we did this thing called Current Affairs, which is where the students ask us anything. Uh, and we were speaking about, sorry, this mysterious wind is quite something. Um, and we were speaking, it's, it's this fan over here that's, you know, mysterious. It's, it's all right, thank you. It makes me look mysterious. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Um, and, and we were talking about... Um, how do you know that the Bible is true? And what about all the inconsistencies? And it was amazing because these young people had the opportunity to ask these questions, questions that they will be asked and that they need to determine for themselves. And one of the amazing things was that as we were speaking about that, I could say beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is not scared of our questions. The Bible can withstand any of our doubts, any of our criticisms, any of our wondering. The Bible can withstand that. I was speaking to, to Rico and JP the other night as well, and, and we were talking about all the disputes that believers have, that we as believers have. For example, is it wine or is it juice? Is it infant baptism or is it believer's baptism? What is the role of women in ministry? Is it predestination or is it free will? Do you lose your salvation? Do you always have your salvation? What is the role of Mary? And it just keeps going. Are you saved through faith or are you saved through works? And I look at all these arguments that we are having as believers, and I go, y'all know, hey? As we like to say as, as Namibians, y'all know. Um, no wonder people look at believers and go, if that's what it means to be a Christian, I'm good, thank you, when we are fighting within ourselves. But there are, regardless of those, or as we say in Namibia, irregardless of those, 
There are many things that go. <laughs> that was just for you, Cindy, English teacher. There, there, are, there are many points that are beyond arguing. And those are that God is three in one. The Father, the Holy Spirit, the Son. That Jesus was sent to die for us, for our sins. That through Jesus we have eternal salvation. We have direct access to God. That we have been given a task to not only have this relationship with God, but also to go share him with others. And that we are to love God with all our heart, but also to love our neighbors. And that is, that is why God, Jesus says that the world will know that you love, uh, that um, <laughs> the world will know that you are mine by the way that you love one another. And so those are the things that we read in scripture. And we need to know what the truth is. We need to know what God says, because it is through that that this world will need to get to know him. If we have a look in John 14, verse 6, it says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. That verse is a verse that has been used to differentiate Christianity from many of the world religions. For example, no one comes to the Father but through me. There, there are some religions that, you know, any way you can get to God. Uh, I am the way and the truth of life. Um, we have a look at, as, at Islam, for example, where Jesus was just a prophet. But here he says, no one comes to the Father through me. And this is an incredible verse because it gives us the essence of what we believe. And the, the part that I want us to focus on is that word, I am the truth. How many times have you heard this? That may be true for you, but it's not true for me. Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. I, I, I have heard that more times than I can count. And we live in a world right now where truth is in a battle, that concept of truth. And it's as fierce as it has ever been that I'm aware of. But if you ever look at history, the greatest atrocities were committed because of getting truth wrong. Have a look at the Crusades. Have a look at the Spanish Inquisition. The Rwandan genocide. The Nazis genocide of the Jewish people. Those were all because people were convinced that they were right. They had the truth and nobody else had. And people died. And, and there was suffering on a level beyond what we can imagine. Truth is important. Even Paul, remember old Paul when he was still Saul? He was hell-bent on destroying these Christians. That was his task. Because he knew he was right and that what he was doing is what God had asked him to do. Until what happened? Until he had a run-in with Jesus. And all of a sudden, he realized that he wasn't on the side of truth. And that's where we got uh, Paul, the majority of our New Testament. The thing about God and his word is that it's eternal. You can test it, and it will stand. Have you ever heard of Voltaire? So, some philosopher dude. He said, uh, within 100 years of my death, Christianity will not be around anymore. And I've, I've shared this with you before. Uh, if you go to his house nowadays, <laughs> they're printing Bibles in his house. Okay? And so God's word will stand. It will stand regardless. I've uh, never studied theology. I do not have a theology, theology degree. And the reason for that is I'd be one of those obnoxious people. You know the ones that when you go, oh, God loves me, and they're I'd be the one that going, well, you know, in the Greek, that word love, right? And then actually, you know those people, right? When you're going, I just, God loves me. I would be that person, okay? So God knew that, that I shouldn't be studying theology because I would be obnoxious and chase people away from God. 
Thankfully, there are people that are not obnoxious and know how to, yes, you too, Mike, you too, okay, that know how to share God's word without being obnoxious. But I would be one of those obnoxious people. And so um, I haven't studied, but I have spent a lot of time reading. I love reading, and so I've read and I've studied, and I've read what the, the clever people, or again, for Cindy, this is for you, what the cleverer people have said. And, um, and I am very content that my faith and belief in the Bible will stand, regardless of what comes my way. And, and every now and then, there's some new discovery. You know, remember at some stage, it was the book of Judas, I think it was. Remember that? Quite a few years ago. And those things do not shake me, because I know God's word stands. And so his truth stands. And so we need to come to a point in our life of where we are settled about the authority of God's word in our lives. And there is going to be, and there will be, and there has always been, a debate about God's truth. Especially in the world we live in today. Okay. The number of times that I've heard people say, you know, I can't follow God because, you know, that person, that so-and-so person, he follows God. And have you seen what he does with his life? Why would I want to follow God if that's what a believer looks like? And um, in my life, I see that as an excuse. That is a total excuse. And the reason why I say that is because that's what I used to say before as a believer. I looked around and I went, yeah, you see, no thanks, no thanks. But then you look at the logic of it, right? People die in car accidents every day, right? And we don't go, oh, no, I can't drive in a car. Mm -mm, no, 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 we blame the driver or the car, whatever the case may be, right? So people look at people and say, no, I can't be a believer because of that person. People get injured from walking every day. We don't go, nope, that's it. I'm not walking. You're going to have to carry me here. People get hurt when they walk. We know that's true. But So that is an excuse, and, and we know that that's an excuse, but I also know that the older I become, the more aware I am of all my failings. I've shared this many times, that when I became a believer, I told God that he must be so excited to have me on his team. I've shared this with you, that, that God really, he won big time with me. Uh, the older I've gotten, the more I've realized how much I need Jesus. And all of those, you know, beautiful facades that I had up were that God saw through them. And so I'm very aware of myself but I also pray that for all of us, that we may not be the reason that somebody points, or we may not be the reason that somebody decides not to follow Jesus. That they point to us and say, see that person. If that person is a believer, then how can I follow Jesus? Even though we know it's an excuse. And they, we all have to be accountable for our decisions. That we hear God's voice, and that we follow God's voice, and that we are the ones that show this world who Jesus is. In John 16, verse 13, it says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. This word has taken the word truth and twisted it. Have you heard of cancel culture? Basically, somebody messes up somewhere, and you just, like, write them off. Do you realize that if cancel culture was around when the Bible was written, we wouldn't have the Bible because Paul would have been canceled a long time ago? Think about, you know, Paul, they wouldn't allow him to write the culture. He messed up. And so we, we live in a world right now where truth is, is very flexible. You can make truth whatever you want it to be. So if I'm offended, then 
They, that's my truth. And we, we're not going to go into that, that whole story right now, but we need to understand that the battle for truth is huge. And it will be. And, and Christianity needs to be to stand apart, not separate from the world, but that people can look to us, people can look to God and say, that is truth. So when we look around in this world, could it be that there's more at play than what we think? That maybe it's not all social media's fault, maybe it's not all Facebook slash meta slash whatever, okay? But that maybe there's something else at play here. And so when we look at Ephesians chapter 6, verse 11, it says, Put on the full arm of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what the Bible says to us. That yes, there is evil in this world, but that we also have an enemy. Now, C.S. Lewis, he says that Satan can win one in two ways. One, that we don't believe he exists, or that everything is him. Okay, so for example, the door slams because of the wind, and you go, out, Satan! It's the wind, okay? All right? Or that we believe he doesn't exist. We need to find that healthy balance between the two, of realizing that we do have an enemy, that he is at work, but that we have a mightier savior. So let's have a look. What is the role of Satan? Well, this is Jesus speaking, and he's speaking to the, the, uh, the Pharisees, I believe, and he says, he's saying to them, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. Can you imagine Jesus saying that to you? Oy. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. That's in John. If we have a look in the book of Revelation, it says, The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hauled to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hauled down. So what does he do? He accuses. We have a look in Matthew where Jesus, before he goes into the desert, he says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So what are the roles of Satan? He lies, he accuses, and he tempts. And those are the battles that we face every day. Uh, those of you that are beyond a certain age will know about Hansi Cronier. Um, all the younger people are going, huh? Okay, but us, you know, more mature adults. Uh, and and he, his line that um, was analyzed a whole lot was that Satan made him do it. And, and when we read scripture, we see that we are tempted. We are accused, we do face temptation, but that we have a savior in our lives that's greater than that. And that with him, we can withstand all of those. So we have a choice. How, how are we going to fight those things? Those things that, that Satan is part of, and the fact that we live in a fallen world. How are we going to fight those? How are we going to stand for truth? One of the things is that we can't pick and choose what we like about the Bible. Studies have shown, and they, the clever people, say that after COVID, 30% of people won't come back to church again. Um, and that either the church has stopped or they went uh, online. 30% of people will not come back to church. 
Now, I must be very honest here. Two weeks ago, remember when we had online service? It was great. I sat on the couch, I had coffee, I watched the service, it was fantastic, and then I went to the farm and I had more coffee, and I had a pie, and I was like, is this what everybody does, it's great, okay? So I, I, I mean, I loved it, it was fantastic. But I also know that God has his truth, and his truth is this. And let us consider how we may spur one another towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. We live in a wonderful world right now where everything is online, and it's awesome. And hear my heart, I'm not speaking about people who are unable to come to church, or are sick, or are in South Africa, or whatever the case may be. But online church, or, or staying away, is not part of God's long-term plan for us. There is something about the messiness of church, the messiness of people, that God wants us to be part of. That loving, guys, if loving each other was, was easy, <laughs> the Bible wouldn't speak about it as much as it does, okay? And there's something that God does within a church concept. It doesn't need to be this church. It can be whatever church God has called you to. But he has called us to gather together. And please hear my heart. I really enjoyed that Sunday of sitting on my couch, okay? But I also know God's word is true. So what about this one? You know those months where you get an unexpected bill, and then you go look at your budget, and you go, okay, where am I going to pay this from? And the only one that has a bit of flexibility is your tithe. And you're like, God will understand. I mean, the word says he'll provide for us. Here, he's provided for us through the tithe. Hallelujah. Have you ever done that, or was it just me? Okay. So then we go back to God's word. In Malachi, it says, Will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then I love this. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there, will be not, that there will not be enough room to store it. So not only is there a commandment in that, but there's also a promise. I have very good friends that, that once uh, said that, you know, those days where, where you tithe first, somehow you get to the end of the month and there's still money left. But those days that you don't tithe, you get to the end of the month and there's nothing. And so I've learned that this is a, a no-go. So what have I done? It's called a direct transaction. You know when you set the bank up, money comes in, tithe goes out. So that is not a temptation for me. Because God's word says what it says. What about this one? <clears throat> and I, you know I'm not going to be talking about Namibia, right? We look at our world governments. Okay? And we look around and we see how money is being used. And we look at it and we might shake our heads or we might disagree. And we might say to ourselves, you know... Why am I even paying tax? What is the purpose of paying tax when it's just being used, it's being abused, there's corruption? Why should I pay tax? Romans 13. Let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God, and consequently, whoever rebels against authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. 
Remember when, when the Pharisees tried to catch out Jesus and, and said, you know, must we pay taxes to Caesar? And what did Jesus say? Give to Caesar what is due to Caesar. That's a painful one. You know, you work hard, you earn your money, and then you must pay it away. And, and you know, I always say my sister lives in Norway, and, and, and they're very efficient there. But that's not my choice. God's word stands firm. And we can go on and on and on. And these are only the points that I've personally experienced. Where the world says one thing, but God's truth stands. So every day we have to make decisions. And I read yesterday that, that somewhere, some person said that we make up to 35,000 decisions in a day. Who came up with that amount and how did they know? We don't know. But think about it, 35,000 decisions. Even if you divide that by half, we have a lot of decisions to make. And some of them are trivial, you know? Do I sit here or do I sit there? Do I want butter or do I want margarine? Those are trivial decisions. But every day we also need to make decisions that have eternal consequences. Decisions that will either draw me closer to God or draw me away from God. So how do we make those decisions? Ephesians 6, we go back again. And we read the first part that said our battle is against the spiritual forces. Verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. As a believer, truth plays a huge role. Truth as shown us by God, not determined by us not determined by our family culture, our denomination, our society, or past experiences. Because if I look at my culture, my culture, I'm a German culture, and my family, drinking is fine. Drink as much as you want to. That's my culture. Okay? God has called me to a different culture. I work with children, and I come from an alcoholic past where my, not myself, but my family, my grandmother was an alcoholic, my biological dad died because he was drinking and then drove. And so God has called me to a culture away from my personal culture. He's called me to his culture. So we can't go and say this is my truth because of culture. Okay? My past experiences say that I better have everything in control because if I don't have in control, something will go wrong. And not only will it go wrong, it will be my job to fix it. That's what my past experiences say. And so what is my temptation? To make sure I've got everything in control. What does God say? He's in control. And so my past experiences cannot dictate that. My family culture, we never say sorry. Is there a word like sorry in the German language? Any Germans? What is Entschuldigung, ne? But that's more like excuse me, right? Yeah. So because I've, and so in my, in my family, we don't say I'm sorry. You just continue moving, yell, 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 and then you continue moving on with life. Okay? What my, my sister once sent me a meme. She says, uh, how do you know you're forgiven? When your mom makes you food. Okay? And so the words, I'm sorry, or fixing something, you just, you just continue. But that's not what God has called us to. God has called us to a higher standard. And his truth is that we can't, I can't just pretend like all is fine. I have to go back and fix the relationship. So our culture, our family, our past experiences, they don't dictate truth. God does. Now the reality is that God's truth is difficult. God's truth can be very painful. 
God's truth can um, be a lot of hard work, but it's also freeing. And there's also joy. And there's a difference between happiness and joy. And there is great joy in God's truth. In Proverbs uh, 3, it says, Trust in the Lord your God with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And in all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. What an awesome blessing that is. That if we submit to God's truth, that he will make our path straight. Can we ever finish a Sunday without a quote from C.S. Lewis? And the answer is no. So let's have this quote. If you look for truth, you may find comfort in the end. If you look for comfort, you will get either comfort, you will get neither, you will not get either comfort or truth, only soft soap and wishful thinking to begin, and in the end, despair. Obviously, soft soap is a bad thing for C.S. Lewis. Very bad. But there is, there is a lot of truth in that statement. That truth is difficult, but in the end, we find comfort in God's word. As we go out throughout this week, I would like you to, sorry, let me go back here. I would like you as, you, as you go through everything that you're doing, to keep looking at this. And every reaction that you have, or where you wonder, why am I feeling this way? Look at what is your belief? And is it in line with God's word? Because that's how he speaks. He speaks to us through his word, and that's how we hear him. So as we go throughout this week, know that God's word and his truth will stand, regardless of what this world says. It will stand true. It has and it will. And that we can rest in the comfort that, that we are following a God that is not shaken by our questions, is not shaken by new discoveries. And, and actually, the more I read, the more I see um, everything pointing towards the existence of God, which I kind of go, your end? Told you so. So don't, don't, be, don't be hesitant in knowing how much God wants to be part of your life and in the life of those around us. He wants to speak. The question is, will we listen? Let's pray. Father God, I, I thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I, I thank you for uh, your word. Lord, I thank you that, uh, that you do speak to us and that we are able to hear. So Lord, as we go throughout this week, I pray that um, for each one of us, that we'll stop and just look at what are the reasons uh, that we are responding the way we are, and that we will pull it in line with you, and pull it in line with your truth, even when it's difficult. Lord, I, you say in your word that, that our thinking determines how we live this life. And so I pray for us as a church family that we'll learn to think like you, and through that, that we will hear you. Lord, I thank you for, for a church family where, where we can have the sounds of, of little babies and, and we can have a church come together and walk through this very complicated thing called life together. Lord, I thank you for those that are, that are online and I, I thank you that, that we do have this technology for when people are, are sick or unable to be with us. And I, and I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you that you carry each one of us in your hand and that you have a wonderful purpose for us, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this morning. And I thank you for your love and your grace. Ask us all in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.